Welcome to Peeves Gabfest, the chapter-by-chapter, page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meigs. And today we are analyzing Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel, which is minutes 55.04 to an hour and three minutes and 42 seconds. We've mm-hmm. broken an hour, you guys. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> Goodness gracious. We're just over halfway through the book now and really starting to get to the pumpkin juicy bits. Hmm. Harry is rewarded for standing up to Draco with a position that becomes a huge part of his school life. And we're introduced to our first fantastic beast. We're also introduced to Oliver Wood, played by Sean Biggerstaff. As always, we will be using our vast knowledge of the wizarding world to compare the page to the screen and may gab about moments that happen later in the books or the films. This means spoilers await, Ickle Firsties. Before we begin, a message from the Daily Prophet. No one wants to wait for a potion to brew just for a delicious blended treat. Ditch that cauldron and order a BlendJet 2 portable blender today. Sure, you to get you invited to Slughorn's parties, the BlendJet 2 makes blending so easy and convenient. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15 blends or more and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. I'm totally going to get the black one and add the Hufflepuff logo. Ooh, (laughs) that's a good idea. Now I, need to, now I need to see if there's a uh, blue one so that I could do that with the Ravenclaw logo. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah, make I like... all house blend jets. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, I would love to get a house blend jet. Although the red wouldn't really go with our house. We have more blues and green. Oh, wait, no, I'm not a Gryffindor. I'm a, I'm a Ravenclaw, so never mind. I just need a blue one, <laughs> and that'll match everything perfectly. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal even Peeves is guaranteed to love. Welcome back, listeners. James, can you hit us with some feedback, please? I can hit you back with some feedback because we got one of our first emails. Yeah, Woo-hoo! this is the first email we've ever gotten. So professional. Uh, and it's from a fellow <laughs> named the Crate Dragon. And he gave us a lot 
uh, to say and a lot to think about and stuff like that. But uh, he says, hi there. After listening to the audiobook for chapter six and watching the scene on Hogwarts train in the movie, I noticed that the spell Hermione uses on Harry's glasses is not in the book unless I missed it. I think the spell Oculus Reparo has made up for the was made up for the movie. How do you all feel about spells that were invented for the movies? Maybe J.K. Rowling gave input on those spells. I don't know if she did. Do you think they will make up other spells for the show? Also, for the music of the show, I think it would be kind of a shame if they don't reuse some of the most iconic themes from John Williams, like Hedwig's theme, and so on. Do you think they should use all new music? I think it would be great to get those iconic themes in and still be in it still. But to be honest, I only can think of the memorable themes for one and two. Then I would love if love it if for three and four or three through seven, they use music that feels more consistent than the first two. Almost as if John Williams had scored all the movies. Thoughts? One more thing. I don't see mm-hmm. the, this talked about much, but the Hogwarts castle and grounds definitely change somewhat between films, like the location of Hagrid's hut. I'm hoping they will be consistent with this in the show. Also, they wore muggle clothes way too much in the movies. Sorry, this is long, but I had all of this on my mind. Keep up the great podcast. Oh, some good points. He had a lot of good points, but I think one yeah. of my favorites was finding out that Oculus Reparo was not in the book. And I think that is com- true. If I remember Well, correctly. I think she does say Reparo is in the book, but they added Oculus, I believe. Yeah. Which does bother me because then not only do you have to remember one spell, but you have to remember all the variations of that one spell. For Reparo. Yeah, it is. So I don't like that. (laughs) Well, but don't they do that with other... Don't they do that with other spells, though? I think it would make sense to... I think it would make sense to have different variations of of a spell to do similar things, but in unique unique ways. Mm Because, I mean, in most... Sometimes when you're dealing with magic in, like, other areas of fantasy not just harry potter but if you don't specify you could get wacky results all the time uh so well, and there is it would make sense part, that that would happen um professor flitwick i don't remember if it's in this first book or not but he was like make sure you say it with an s or instead of an f or vice versa i don't remember because one is like the actual spell and then his example was like you ended up with a buffalo on top of you or something. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely, you've got to be specific, but at the same time, like I said, if you're going to have specific things for each spell, you're going to have to remember the specific things for all of the spells. Like you need to have some consistency. I don't, I um mainly don't like them changing something for the movie because jk rowling was so specific with things in the books like she i think she did a good job for you know pretty much across the board with having um a very like fleshed out scenes and storylines and stuff so i felt like there wasn't really 
things that needed to be added as far as the wizarding world in the movies. So it was it, to me, it's strange that they would like change the spell. But yeah. I just did a search, a word search of Reparo in the first book and I can't find it like at all. Oh, so it's not in the first book at all. But they do Reparo in the books at some point, right? Of course. Yeah. But I thought for sure that it was in the books, but I guess it's just me you know, projecting that from the movies, but oh, we're going to have to look into that. It yeah, could be. Yeah, I, guess I do true. know. I do know for a fact that they have created spells for, for different purposes for like the video games and stuff. So like, uh, for example, I think Flipendo was a very common one for the first, uh, for the first and second year games uh, that you would mm-hmm. play on the PC and mm-hmm. in uh, the Game Boy uh, and in the Game Boy versions, there, but it there's Flipendo does not exist at all in the books. So right, I but that's a that's a that's a common spell that most Harry Potter people that have kind of dabbled in that kind of stuff know very commonly. So I right. think creating the spells for different purposes, whether it be for the movies or for the books, kind of makes it world build a little bit more especially if it was maybe had the input of some uh maybe the input of jk rowling even but well bringing it back to its question on do you think they'll make up other spells for the show i don't think they will because they keep saying it's going to be a faithful adaptation and the only reason i would could see them creating a new spell is for storytelling and if it's going to be a faithful adaptation she's already got the spells there for them true but we also have talked about we've also talked about how they're how they have the opportunity to expand and add new stuff so I think they totally well, could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it just, it depends. I, this is um, our friend Zuhair's favorite word is context. Um, and if you don't play fantasy heroes, you won't get that. So look into fantasy heroes. Uh, but it just depends on the context of how they're going to use the spells in the show. And if, you know, if it works and then she's got creative license. So if it's in there, it's because she wanted it to be there. Before we move on to his other points, um, and I'm only bringing this up because my mother reminded me of it today, but she was asking why can Hermione even do the spells on the train and how was she able to do spells at home? Because <laughs> she says she was practicing the spells and that's how she could do the Reparo spell. Yeah, well, I, that's, because uh... we didn't do it in the book, so... That's a that's a common misconception between the movies and and the books in general, because uh, in the third movie, they show Harry practicing his spells at home. Right. And then the very next scene, he gets in trouble for doing the spell. <laughs> so a different spell. I, yeah, for doing a so different that's a spell. Movie so, thing. so we yeah, just it's, it's a movie that thing. She doesn't do Reparo in the book. So that's why it's just a movie thing. So she. But she does in the book says they've all worked for me when she does the the rat turned yellow, right? Well, don't they say at some point in the books about how like the kids before they get to school, they're allowed to do some sort of magic um, kind of to practice like if they I don't know, I thought I remember that 
this is so we're so bad at hosting a Harry Potter podcast, you guys. I thought that um, <laughs> we always had to I double thought, check ourselves. I thought that they said later on in the series that um, in the books, not in the movies, but um, that they were able to do minor like minor little charms and stuff not i don't know like in again, yeah with good context somebody who okay, has so recently this is from the book. book he says hit the spell and then he waved the wand, but nothing happened scabber stayed gray and fast asleep and then she says are you sure that's a real spell well it's not very good is it i've tried a few simple spells just for practice and it's all worked for me Nobody so in my family's magic at all. She doesn't say specifically that she tried them at home. And I was thinking maybe the train is an extension of Hogwarts. So you can do magic on the train. Um, obviously, Ron just tried and he would know that if you can or can't. So maybe the train is an extension and she just was using her wand on the train to practice some spells. <laughs> Also, I think they're kids, and kids always do something that they're not supposed to do. So I think the ministry is <laughs> going to give them a pass this time. Yeah. Well, as I'm far looking... as the music and the sets, sorry. No, go I'm ahead. Go ahead. No. Um, just so we can move on a little bit. <laughs> um, the music and the sets, I think we've already talked about. We would like to see consistency there seeing some of those same tones brought into the show and i know i talked about the sets being consistent yeah so a lot of the things he's brought up is stuff that we've kind of already addressed in in past uh conversations but i think the biggest one that he brings to to light that we didn't really even consider i think is that they wore a lot of muggle clothes at hogwarts and so I'm kind of just like, huh. I don't think the first one is as bad, or the second one for that matter, as three and on. Yeah, yeah three definitely. is when they like, they, well, I remember watching that and I was like, they're getting kind of cool. Like Emma <laughs> and Rupert and Dan were like kind of allowed to be cool a little bit. And I remember in an interview um like way back when the film was coming out emma watson was like i was so excited that i got to wear jeans in the movie i didn't have to wear the skirts yeah. anymore and so i i'm well the whole vibe of the film was dramatically different than the first yes. two films and so i'm sure that that was a big part of it was that the whole feeling of the movie was different i agree Yep. Um, any other thoughts on feedback from the Crate Dragon before we move it on was, to a review? It was pretty good feedback. Thank you, yeah, Crate Dragon. Thank you, Crate Dragon. You no, we love hearing like all of those thoughts because there is so much, obviously, these, the book is not that long of a book and we take an hour to two every chapter to discuss it. So there's obviously so many details. So we love when people bring up all of their thoughts about what's going on with the chapter because there is so much to talk about and it's really fun to hear what other people have to and say it's too, stuff so. that we miss sometimes yeah we like right. we've missed so much stuff that we get corrected on and we're like oh yeah what look at that so Which is very yes. having different don't hesitate to correct us please in fact please correct us all right meegs do you have a review i do yay review 
Okay, this review is by Gryffindor's Historian on Reddit. Uh, thank you, Sarah Day, by the way, for spreading all of this to Reddit, spreading the the community and the conversation about the podcast over to Reddit. It's awesome to see all these different avenues in which people are yes. sharing their thoughts with us. So Gryffindor's Historian says, I'm enjoying the podcast and love that you guys want to keep it so close to the books. Everything that makes you mad about what the movies changed or left out are on my list too. And I also love a good montage. Keep up the good work. Montage. Montage. (laughs) Right. Thank you, Gryffindor's historian. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that people are also appreciating our montage ideas. (sighs) Me too. They better put them all in. Every single one that we've brought up. Every one we've created will be in the show. (laughs) Or we riot. Totally. So let's get talking about this chapter. The chapter opens and it's almost like a montage itself about all of the students telling their like histories on Quidditch um, and kind of getting excited for flying lessons coming up. Although the one bummer is that it is um, the Gryffindors are going to be taking flying lessons with the Slytherins. Dun, dun, dun. Not the Slytherins. This is when Neville gets his remember all, which is sort of a, um, not a tease. What's the official term? Uh, for foreshadow. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was shown an amazing thing that I'd never realized before with the movie. I was uh-huh. so I was watching the um the magical mode i think it's called on hbo and Mm -hmm. uh it has like little tidbits of like details and things like that that are pretty cool but when in the movie when neville gets the remember all it turns red and he's like the old the only thing is i don't know what i've forgotten right it's like oh like he's forgotten Mm -hmm. something but we don't know what it is the then a little box showed up and said neville for is the only one that didn't get his dress robes on so everybody else is in their their Hogwarts uniform, and he's the only one that doesn't have his dress robes on. And I never noticed it until then. Oh, he's just got the sweater vest. The robes vest. are actually on the seat next to him, aren't they? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I didn't feel see like that I part. I have to go back and double check because I think I read somewhere that they're actually on the seat next to him, in or maybe that was cut. No, in the film i think no it's this is in the film this is a little tidbit in the film it turns red because he's the only one that's not wearing dress robes Mm, so everybody else is in their dress robes but he only has the the sweater vest on of gryffindor and his tie that's it and i think that's hilarious that i never even realized something Mm -hmm. like that but but it's it's just right in front of you and somebody has to like point it out for you to see it it's kind of funny (laughs) I do just want to make a note um, because we did tell people just to correct us um, when we're wrong, but you keep calling them dress robes. I think they're just robes because dress robes don't come in until the fourth book. Oh, probably. Just robes. I think I have, I think I have dress robes on my mind because I, I, I saw a Goblet of Fire just recently. So <laughs> I do have, well, we can actually get to it later. Don't let me forget to talk about dress robes when we start talking about the duel. Okay. Oh, I have a question for you guys. Um, 
they see that the notice is on the notice board and throughout the whole series they get these notices on this notice board in the common room um in the books i don't think we ever see that in the films but Mm -hmm. do you think house elves are the ones that are posting these notices or do you think it's like the the head of the house or is it the prefects do the heads of houses oh give give the notices to the prefects and then the prefects put it up yeah Mm -hmm. that could be either the prefects or the head boy and head girl right but there's only one head boy and head girl and they shouldn't be able to go to the other dorm so the prefix is a good no but there's one head boy and one head girl for each uh each house no they're just i don't think so i think there's just one head boy and one head girl look it up look it up we 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 obviously have to figure this one out but (laughs) we probably should also move on It's a possibility, but I, I don't. <laughs> I just want to prove the Ravenclaw wrong for once. A I'm going to look goal. it up while you two talk. Oh, I'm looking it up. <laughs> we can pause. Yeah, I paused. So you get to say that again. <clears throat> there is one head girl and one head boy to represent the whole of the stu- Hogwarts student body. Woo, 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 woo. Look at that. I just, I guess I didn't realize that. Uh, 10 points for Hufflepuff. Please. Uh, <laughs> we need our soundboard <laughs> that has like the, has a horn or something. Yeah. I tried to re-admit, like reanimate that sound. But, um, you did I'm a great job. Impersonations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yes, let's let's move on now that I have been proven correct. Um, do we want to go to the flying lessons, or is there anything else you guys want to say before we get there? Um, I think I'm good going into the flying lessons. Actually, well, I guess um, just think this is probably just the muggle in me, but when. <laughs> when JK writes that, you know, Hermione was making everybody bored, stupid with the flying tips that she'd gotten out of Quidditch Mm -hmm. through the ages. Wouldn't that be so interesting? I feel like if you were, especially for somebody like Harry, who had never been on a broomstick before and didn't know anything, I feel like I would want to soak in as much information as possible to try to learn what to do. There's a lot of times where that comes up, though. And obviously, it's, that's written to like, showcase that Hermione's being right. you know an annoying know-it-all but well, I don't know I if it was in that position I, I would think look. he doesn't get as into it until he does become the seeker and then mm. he's really into all the history yeah, because I do yeah. think they talk about it later that he really appreciates that book yeah yeah because he 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 wasn't very into the idea of flying because his like first comment was like oh great now I get to make a fool of myself in front of Draco like right. he probably he, he probably was thinking know. that he wasn't going to be very good at it. Right, he doesn't know that he's going to be a natural. Good point. Um yeah, That'll and be... then my next highlight that I have is during the Quidditch lesson so. And I didn't say this at the top, but we're also introduced to Madam Hooch. Yes. Madam Hooch. 
who um uh what's her name rolanda no rolanda who just played by zoa zoe wanamaker there's like two dots above the e though so i'm not sure if it's zoe it may be zo but it's it's her last name is wanamaker and she was just recently in shadow and bone on netflix if Ooh. anybody is into the fantasy stuff which i'm sure you are because you're listening to a harry Potter <laughs> but she so, yes. played madam hooch really well yeah and then she's like gone <laughs> the rest of the films <laughs> i know like she doesn't pop up very much often after that i think she maybe gets and like a fair, cameo in two like in movie two but that's it right at the quidditch games and that's you know she's only at the quidditch games in the books too but quidditch is such a huge part of the books yes and not a big part of the movies not as much no um i uh didn't particularly love okay what i feel like didn't really fit or what i feel like wouldn't be canon is the um the fact that everybody puts their hand over the broom and says up but and that's in the they kept that really close to the books you know from the movie so it's not that it's not the adaptation just in general to me that always seemed kind of silly but right like yeah. why would your broom just be lying on the ground and i don't know if it's like like you could obviously pick the broom up but i don't know if jk's thoughts for that were that it's like i guess demonstrating to the broom that it's kind of like a thor's hammer sort of thing where you have mm. to like show that you're worthy that's yeah. the only thing that makes sense in my head but i still well, i think it's kind of cheesy well the way i thought of it and how it made sense in my brain was that the um the brooms have personalities kind of just like mm -hmm. horses do uh, because not every broom, not every broom, like, actually, like, works to the the writer's advantage. Some people aren't really good with brooms because the broom senses the that the that the person's nervous or that the person isn't um, uh, actively wanting to to do what they to to fly or use it for the purposes that it wants to. So, like, that's the reason why Hermione's never goes up is because she's nervous about actually getting it right and she's trying to follow through but when it's reality it's more of an emotion thing which is why harry's a lot more successful because harry leads more by his emotions than he than other people does draco was confident which is why draco's went up to his hand as just as much because he's done it before he's like this is easy and the broom sense his confidence and was like sure you know what you're doing here you go so yeah. i think it has a lot more to do with the magical idea of that the brooms have a little bit more personality like a lot of magical objects do in the harry potter world and that's right why i was just about to say it wasn't confusing it'll be interesting to see what lore we pull up because we always post on our instagram fun lore from the chapter and i feel like we need to research brooms to see because they're made from wood and wands are made from wood so to see is the same process not necessarily saying the broom chooses the wizard but do they have that same sort of sentience that wands do mm -hmm. i never thought about that until you just 
said your piece, James. Yeah, that definitely would be interesting to kind of maybe dig a little deeper into because brooms are made specifically like with with uh, a different like a a specific process for it, and I'm I'm sure there's magic put into it just as much as wands are. So, yeah, definitely. I think there might be some similarities as to like the type of wood they have to use and like what kind of magic they're using in order to kind of give it life and give it its ability to actually fly. So then why do you think that the broom hits Rod in the face? (laughs) (laughs) I think that was just comedic effect. (laughs) Of course that's what it was. I, I I don't think there's actually like a reason behind it, but but um if if you had to, why do you think that would be? Uh, if I had to come up with a reason, I don't know. That would be something I'd have to like maybe put a little bit more thought into it. But maybe like, that'll be our maybe it's since bron- maybe it's since bronze like um, cheekiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I also thought the whole sequence of Neville flying around was a little overdramatic and exaggerated in the film compared yes, to how it's written in the book. Yeah. I wrote down the whole Quidditch scene. <laughs> as one of well, my highlights. Well, and I, th- I think that it was done that way because I recently just watched some documentaries and and stuff like that and listening to uh christopher columbus talk about his vision going into the film Mm -hmm. he was really excited for uh, for some of like the creation of this world and so Mm -hmm. i think he took time to kind of show some of these things that we all imagined in our in our minds uh but we actually got to like see so he 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 was very reserved. He says he was very reserved because he was very nervous about messing it up for the first one. But in the second one, he was like super excited and went all out, uh, which is why the second one has like so many more deleted scenes than the first one does. But um, the first, the first one, he, he was very adamant about trying to get the world right. And so he, he did a lot of practical effects, but the things that required special effects, he made sure was done like very particularly and very um like detailed to the to the best as as best as it can be if he if he could avoid using special effects he did uh because he wanted to be as realistic as possible but when he the special effects was needed he he was he enjoyed putting it together with them and he wanted it to be fun and light and exciting so i think when they were, were given the chance to fly around on the broom he wanted to maybe give the reader or the the viewers an, an an opportunity to kind of see how flying on a broom is like. Eh, I feel like that could have been done at the Quidditch match instead. Yeah, I think it makes sense that he, um, you know, wanted to like explore all of that and kind of showcase what they could do with the movie. And especially for that time, like now that's, it's like no big thing to have something like somebody flying around on a Yeah, because back then, like special effects was brand new. Like nobody yeah. really actually knew what to do with it. And so it was all experimental. 
Yeah, but I I do agree that um like I get where he was. I mean, I get that he's making a movie and they're going to they do this with shows and movies all the time, especially with book adaptations where they make the film or the TV show much more filled with like drama and excitement than what's in the book because that's what a lot of people want to see but I think this is a whole bigger conversation but I think that's kind of like leftover from old school film where it was like you kind of had to like that was like a great way to get the old entertainment kind of thing and so I feel like it's sort to me it's sort of outdated I think we can have more subtle stuff going on in films and tv shows and it still gets the point across and because there was Quidditch as a uh a game in the sh- in the movie i think they could have saved the drama for that point but i do you know i can i guess empathize with where he's coming from when when he was creating that scene but i am curious people uh, as always people who read the or didn't read the books but have just watched the films how they felt about it if that like totally fit in line with what they would expect or if that seemed a little bit um dramatic because i i would guess that people who didn't read the books feel like that scene was it fit in right yeah yeah and I think that's that's probably true but coming from I read the chapter and then I watch the segment um and having read the book where it's just he basically goes up in the air and falls off um and then in the movie it's just going on and on and on and I'm like okay I'm ready to get to the next scene like right. you know, we we know as the readers, I want to get to that comfort confrontation between Harry and Draco. I don't want to sit here and watch Neville fly aimlessly around. <laughs> I do because this whole scene was made to be dramatic. Um, I get that there's going to be little detail differences, but the details that mm-hmm. really annoy me about this scene in the film are. Like in the book, Neville, he gets nervous and jumpy and frightened of being left on the ground, pushed off hard before the whistle had touched Madame Hooch's lips. And then in the film, that's done. It's like the broomstick had a complete mind of its own and started transporting Neville rather than Neville doing that. And then mm-hmm. Neville falls right away in the book, of course, which we've just talked about. And instead, it becomes like this whole scene. And so just the even like the details of when Neville left the ground and stuff and and that being different. Right. And if he wanted to showcase flying right now, I feel like he could have had Harry and Draco have a little chase scene. Mm -hmm. You know what I would have loved? Because I feel like the big what was to me emphasized this is actually a very short scene it's a really long scene in the movie compared to the book but the whole the whole quidditch lesson scene in the book is actually very short but what i got and so this could just be me and people can disagree with me but what i got from this scene was how not that harry's like necessarily the hero for catching the remembral although that is a part of it but mostly that he discovers that there's something that he can do and he's never in his Mm. life had something that he, it can Mm. be, he can do comfortably and he's never felt like he fits in with any type of activity. He he hasn't been allowed to. And so the like elation that he feels and you can put yourself in his, his head, like imagining having the life that he had and the childhood that he had. And then all of a sudden being on a broomstick and flying in the air and finding out that that's really comfortable for you. So 
to me, what I would love to see is that expanded on a little bit. Not that they have to make a 20 minute scene on it in the show, but <laughs> having the focus of the scene be on like you see Harry, you know, it's like kind of close in on Harry and like how excited he is that he's flying around and like how wonderful it must feel. And then they have the other stuff kind of basically as mm-hmm. filler. But I want, I just want to see more of that in the show. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Uh, that was definitely going to be one of my um, peace pleasures about this chapter was that I feel like the movie did a really good job of showing Harry's excitement and showing Harry's wonder being like, whoa, I can do this. Like, this is awesome. Like, uh, because he's, he, his whole worry was that he was going to go to the school and he was going to be this epic failure because everyone was going to be better at magic than he was. And that he was going to be far behind and, and not going to be good at it because he didn't know what he was doing or know what he was walking into. And then here he is, doing something that he expected to fail at and then he succeeds and and does it he's excited and he's elated and he's he's like whoa this is awesome uh which is what i think a lot of people would feel if they discover they're really good at something so harry catches the remember all and he's actually witnessed in this act by professor mcgonagall and so she comes out and we, everybody, the readers, the other students, Harry himself, Draco, all think he is going to get in trouble. However, she takes him to see Wood. And at first, yep. Harry's like, wait, what's Wood? Is she about to get a cane? And it's <laughs> it's kind of sad that his first thought is uh, physical abuse because yeah. of the way he's been living the past 11 years yeah but it turns out wood (laughs) is a student (laughs) which they get they get him from professor flitwick's class not professor quirrell's class so the movie and the The change book is a little bit different that way Hmm. and i do wish that we got to see wood's excitement more yeah. in the film that's what i wrote down he's too super stoked mm-hmm. both him and mcgonagall are super stoked about having a seeker and how good harry is and how they want to win and that's been so long since they won and now they've got a chance and um, mcgonagall's competitiveness mm-hmm. yes yeah i and, i, I mean, highlighted like a that. line one line yeah i highlighted that hit him um oliver walking around harry and like examining his build and stuff for being a seeker. And, um, and then just how like right away, even just him saying ever seen a game of Quidditch Potter, he asked excitedly, even that line, like if they wanted to keep it really short for the film, I feel like they could have at least added that in because just like many characters in the adaptation of the film, he feels really flat. And, you know, yes. so I feel like they could We're have, always talking yeah. about how, you know, the book and the movie characters are completely different characters sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Wood is definitely one of those examples because he's so vibrant in the books yeah. and over the top yeah. competitive mm-hmm. in a funny way. Mm-hmm. And then in the movie, it's just very dry, like you said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we can definitely yeah. add Oliver Wood to the list of characters that are going to get improved upon this TV show uh, if they do it right. Mm-hmm. Well, if they put us in charge, then they then Oliver <laughs> Wood definitely would be. 
I can't wait for the cast list to be I announced. Know. I know with the writer's strike, it's probably going to be some time. Yeah. But I... <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe this is when they are able to... That's true. Who knows? I, I don't, don't I know have... what they would be. Yeah. I don't know how related it is. With. Yeah. Um, and then there's rumors about the SAG is about to strike as well i think so it's it might be some time but they might as well we do it now in the meantime <laughs> i know get it all done i don't i am curious how people feel about harry being the youngest house player in a century i feel like there's quite a few things that Harry magically got the first in a century of being able to do something. And that to me just seems like so unlikely, but I guess that's the whole point of Harry Potter well, is that he's such an anomaly, but right. That, but also first years aren't supposed to play. So he's already got a whole year mm-hmm. on a lot of these other kids. And I'm, I'm sure a hundred years ago is when that rule went into effect for whatever reason. Yeah. They didn't care before a hundred years ago about anything. Yeah, somebody decided, oh, we need to be safe. Yeah. I do like also when um, when McGonagall found him, like that between time between McGonagall finding him, um, catching the broom, or being on the broomstick, and then before he finds Wood, um, I highlighted perhaps he could be Hagrid's assistant, his stomach twisted yeah. as he imagined it, watching Aww. Ron and the others becoming wizards while he stumped around the, ga- the grounds carrying Hagrid's bag. Aww. I think that's like, I mean, obviously that's so sad that, you know, him thinking yeah. about him having to go through that. But I thought that was really cute. Like, it would be fun to do a like an imagine, like, you know, kind of transport what in if? the show like switches the scene over to hair like what's imagining what harry's imagining in his head about what's going to happen um i feel like that would be really fun if they could if they could add that in again like little details in the books that give the give the plot line a little bit more life i would say and like more details to go off of that they you know cut out for time so it would be fun to see that when they have more time in in a tv show you know where they have multiple episodes going on Mm -hmm. I think that'd be really cute (laughs) oh and then also when are we at the point where the Weasleys start talking to Harry about um, being on the Quidditch team or do we have more to say before that no we can talk about that let's go straight to that I highlighted Lee Jordan reckons he found a new secret passageway out of the school so that's the second time already in this book that they've mentioned that JK mentioned the Weasley twins and Lee Jordan knowing about secret passageways. And so I thought that was great foreshadowing Um, again, totally removed from, from the films, (laughs) but uh, I like, I like that, you know, every time I go back and reread these, I find like more and more little Easter eggs. It's interesting. So Lee Jordan just found a passageway. What year do they get the map? I thought that they had had it. I believe it was in their either first or second year. Yeah. So they should already know where all the passageways are. But they said, they said, oh, I bet it's this one that they already know about in the chapter. So, oh, Lee Jordan wants to show us this new secret passageway. Hey, Fred, I bet it's that one that we found like two years ago. So the, the quote is Lee Jordan reckons he found a new secret passageway out of the school. 
I bet it's that one behind the statue of Gregory the Smarmy that we found in our first week. So they don't, oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Why wouldn't Lee already know about it then? Wouldn't they tell him? <laughs> Who knows well, that, why the they didn't know? Would... They didn't know that that was a secret passageway. Oh, 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 I see. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, wait, no. <laughs> I got confused. So <laughs> maybe they did. I thought that they took Lee Jordan on a lot of their adventures, but they must have not been then in that case. Yeah. Like maybe okay. they wanted to keep that so to themselves. So they do already know about the passageway. Okay. All right. So Malfoy kind of overhears that Harry didn't get in trouble and he's a little jealous and kind of challenges Harry to a duel, which Harry doesn't really understand what's going on, but never fear, Ron is there to take I over. I don't think Malfoy knows that he didn't get in trouble because he comes up to Harry and says, having your last meal, Potter. Oh, that's true. That's, yeah. So I think it's, I think he hasn't realized that he hasn't been in trouble. I think he got I think he was thinking that he got in trouble because he doesn't know that Harry's the seeker yet. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, definitely doesn't know that he's the seeker, but I think he I think he just likes taunting Harry, so he was like happy to taunt him about potentially being expelled. But yeah, I think nobody so Why does he challenge him? To a duel? Oh, cuz Harry uh Harry uh, talks back to him. He's like, "Oh, it looks like you, uh, you're a lot more cool-headed when you're on the ground with your big uh, big bully yes, friends with yes, Crap yes. and Boyle on the side. And Malfoy was like, oh yeah, well, I'll challenge you myself to a wizarding duel. Right. It's hard because I watch the segment after I read the book, so that's more fresh in my memory. And of course, this is completely cut from the film. <laughs> oh yeah, all of this is totally like new stuff that we would love to see in the TV show. I yeah. am so excited for this to happen because I feel like it's gonna add like a ton of cool things that we got <laughs> gypped from. You know, it's sad to say we got gypped. Yeah. I I oh, love Chris Columbus yeah. and what he did with the movie. <laughs> But we got gypped. <laughs> we did. Yeah, I mean, they cut peeves. Who we see again in this chapter, at least. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love this scene so much. I was reading the story out loud to my wife, and <laughs> I did my peeves voice, and she was just laughing the entire time because uh, <laughs> I was just way into it so much, and I thought it was hilarious. Before we get into his scene, the whole reason for so we just said that Draco and this whole duel is cut. So the whole reason for them sneaking out in the middle of the night is completely different in the film. And there's no Neville. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like Neville. that they I don't like that they kept him out. And the way that that it was written about how they found Neville outside and then how Hermione followed them outside and stuff. I love, I love how that was written in the book. So I hope that uh, as per usual, I hope that the show stays a little closer with that. I, I do have, okay. So I read the, um, the American version and the illustrated version, which is a UK version. So in the American version, they say bathrobes, that they that Ron and Harry come downstairs to like head out to the duel wearing their bathrobes. And 
in the UK version, they're wearing dressing gowns. So is huh. a dressing gown the same thing as a bathrobe? Are they, you know, interchangeable? Or I is know. a dressing gown a different thing? Because I view a dressing gown as like an old Victorian era type of <laughs> I know, me too. Like sleeping or, gown. Or um, Karen, is a dressing gown just the word for pajamas? Yes. We don't know. Let because, us know. And in the films, they're wearing pajamas, like striped pajamas pajamas yes. that children wear yes not a bathrobe or what is in my head as a dressing gown so I thought that that was interesting so I'm I'm liking reading both versions because there's it yeah. seems like in each chapter there's at least one word that's different and so like I'm still completely blown away by Hoover as a verb yeah. <laughs> I mean I do understand the uh, Kleenex analogy like we say Kleenex much yeah. more often than we say tissue but we also don't use kleenex as a verb well yeah but that's like the same i guess that's the same sort of thing but but it is it's really cute hoover as a verb is adorable (laughs) dressing gown if that's if all of you in the uk are saying dressing gown for any type of sleepwear that's adorable and i need to know (laughs) right now um i also think it's going to be hilarious to see Hermione's expression when she turns around and the fat lady is gone yeah because up to this point we know that the pictures move but I mean we we saw that as evident in um Dumbledore's car card on the train but there hasn't been any uh, um conundrum of you know the fat lady leaving and that she is the way into their dorms and i wonder if she has like office hours (laughs) (laughs) well she likes to go kind of like party right and like flirt with the other she likes to go talk with her friend and gossip with her friend yes Uh, she talks her her she has like a portrait friends that is like either in her portrait or she's in the uh the other portrait a lot and i Mm -hmm. jk rowling kind of goes back into it how much of a gossip the fat lady is um, because she will talk about anything and everything. Well, I think they all are. I think a lot of the portraits in different ways, they all have their personalities, of course, that match the person. Oh my God. Spinoff series real quick. Mini series <laughs> about the fat lady as a person. But um, the all the all the portraits, I think, gossip quite a bit. I mean, how fun would that oh be to be a Hold portrait I just... in Hogwarts? <laughs> For some reason, you're telling... A, a spinoff about the fat lady reminded me like not only did they change the actress between yeah. the first and third film mm-hmm. but they completely change her setting like she goes from this victorian <laughs> fat lady to this grecian fat lady yeah well and yep. just her like her whole personality the demeanor <laughs> i feel like like i kind of kind of get it for the first film like i get i get it but i like the more energetic fat lady because well, I feel like it's more her from right, the book too. Right. I love <sighs> love the 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 woman who plays the fat lady. I'm sorry, I don't know her name in the later films and I'm sure we'll get to it when we cover those, but when she's um like just when she's like going into like a monologue and she's being all like, like she's, you know, in the theater on stage, like when she's kind of getting into that mode. I love it. I think that actress does such a good job doing that. 
Oh, and can uh, I have no. who? I'm not going to say it. Oh, sorry. What, James? So the actress who plays the third fat lady is Dawn French. Okay. She looks so like she somebody changes named Dawn three French. times. She's she's different oh, in the second one sorry, too. I meant third as in like in the third movie. Third movie. Got it. Sorry. Okay. I'm with you. Migs, what were you gonna say? I am not gonna say who it is because I'm gonna do a I'll do the reveal when we do our um fan cast episode, but I have it in my head who I want to play the fat lady in the TV show. I'm very excited to reveal it later. Okay, I'm excited to hear that. Um and listeners, we are gonna do a fan cast episode and we have not shared any of our ideas with each other yet so that's going to be fun it will be after we finish the first book so we've got some time (laughs) and please we want to hear everybody's fan cast too so be thinking about it as we're talking through this yes typical hermione giving all of you homework (laughs) um again not to sound like a broken record but having the full story at their hands now is going to help because they didn't know the fat lady was going to play an important role in book three Right. True. Yep. I mean, it makes sense. So um, they sneak out. Hermione is like, don't sneak out. You're going to lose points, blah, 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 blah. Turns away and sees that the fat lady's not there. And then in the book, they stumble over Neville, who had forgotten the password. Or he, no, he was coming back from the hospital from, wing and the fat lady yep. wasn't there. No, he forgot the password um, so and she didn't let him in. Okay, so he he did forget the password. Um, yep. And so they go off to try to find Malfoy, uh, but they find Miss Norris instead. Or should I say Miss Norris finds them mm-hmm. and realize it was mm-hmm. all a trap. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And then I think Filch shows up and they're just like running away and they run and into peace. No. no, 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 no. Sniff around, no, my sweet. comes first. No, but Nis- they, oh, they try to run away from Miss Norris, and that's when they get Peeves, and Peeves is like, he's oh, trying to get them yeah, to be yeah, nicer yeah. or something, and Ron takes a swing at him, and he's like, students out of bed, and that's when they run away from Filch. No. They, no. they run away from both. They run away from, because they see Mrs. Norris. Oh, no, no. Right. They hear... They heard someone speak and it wasn't Malfoy. Sniff around, my sweet. They might be lurking in a corner. It was Filch speaking to Mrs. Norris. Horror struck. Harry waved madly at the other three to follow him as quickly as possible. So yeah. they're they're silently trying to um, exit the trophy room. Then Neville lets out a frightened squeak and breaks into a run. He tripped, grabbed Ron around the waist, and a pair of them toppled right into a suit of armor. Pure comedy gold. It's like Ace Ventura <laughs> style. I really want to see that in the show. And then they start running, not looking back to see whether Filch was following. They swung around the doorpost, blah, blah, blah. Then they get somewhere. um, Oh, they get near the charms classroom. And then that's when Peeves appears. Got it. Okay. I apologize. I was wrong, but I'm keeping my 10 points to Hufflepuff. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, 10 points for Ravenclaw because Meigs obviously 
found the answer pretty quickly. Should we do, I mean, I can be Gryffindor for the purposes of the podcast. Should we keep track of people's <laughs> points? Are we, I'm like the least competitive no, person ever, so fine. I don't care, but. You can just be moderator then because it seems like James and I are more competitive about it. But okay, cool. We can, I'm um, moderator. Oh no, we can do something with our guests or something. <laughs> yeah, people can, um, listeners, you can keep track of um, points if you want. Um, okay, so then, yes, they meet Peeves. It's so exciting. Obviously, they better have Peeves in the show so that we get this scene. Yeah. Well, they, and it's such they've a, got to have Peeves. Yeah. It's such a hilarious part too because you you just you're you're they're trying to reason with a guy that they know you can't <laughs> reason with, but it's such right. an eleven year old thing to think. Oh, maybe this yeah. once he'll actually listen to me, but he's not going to listen to them. But what's even more hilarious is that. He, he was he said he was gonna rat them out, but he doesn't ever rat them out because he's messing yeah. with Filch the entire time. So he's just a conundrum of a of a being because he's just like Yeah, he's got no I relations to anybody. I literally do whatever I want and I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As long as I, I know, am messing I with it. people and making fun of them. Yeah. I I definitely so, love that part where you know, he's like kind of against that, you know, he's going to rat them out and they're all panicking and stuff. And of course, he does yell and <laughs> wake up people or potentially wake up a lot of people. So he definitely ruins things for them. But then, you know, instead of telling Filch what where they are and what happened, he instead is like, well, now I'm going to play with Filch. And so I, I just yes. I really love that about his character, that he is consistently against everybody Chaotic. or consistently has no allegiance except for to the Weasley twins. Um, I do. I love that. He's, you know, he just is consistently like that. So you can always count on him to do something against you, but at least he's also against everybody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think, and I don't know if he shows allegiance to the twins before the fifth book, but right. I think like he does appreciate them because they're also so mischievous. They are also peevesy. Peevesy. The Peeves Lee Honorary twins. members of Peeves Gab Fest. <laughs> um, Always. Yeah, I think. I, I don't really have yeah, any so more. they're running away. Right. And they. Um, they stumble into this corridor. And it is also different. In the film. Because in the film, obviously, like we said, there was no duel. So. It's not even. They're not even sneaking out at midnight. It's the staircase moves. And kind of pushes them into the corridor, which just doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> well, it was yeah. an accident because they were walking, like they were walking from like the Great Hall or the or like a classroom or something, and then just the staircase moved. And it, Hermione was just there by accident. I suppose since their first years, they don't realize that the stairs took them to the third floor floor corridor they don't know yeah. that that's the third floor corridor which is forbidden are you talking um, about for the film yes yeah mm -hmm. um so that's why they continue to go in um but so so I, I like did, essentially I, they had to do they, something they for got the in there they took out the duel they, so I'm, i guess I'm they got in there because they didn't necessarily yeah i feel like it made sense for the film but but in the book essentially we get them accidentally running into it because they're panicking and they're trying to get some. <laughs> um, so any other thoughts on discovering this corridor before we get to our fantastic beast 
Um, I guess <laughs> the Alohomora. I mean, I I get it. I get that there had to be a way that was like a slight barrier, but then a way for them to get into the third floor corridor. corridor. But again, in my mind, not really canon. If there is a three-headed dog guarding the Sorcerer's Stone, there would be more than a Lohamora stopping, like, getting into it. I don't know, but... But maybe not, just because the dog obviously is enough to scare people off, and then it's the trapdoor. Well, so he's, we, I get it, but it we just find seemed, out that he's the first of many obstacles to the stone. Right. It just seems crazy that in a in a school full of magic where everybody has all of these spell books to learn ver, learn very easily mm-hmm. what the Alohomora charm is, that Dumbledore would just allow somebody to be able to do a very simple charm to unlock a door where there is a three-headed beast um just like waiting to eat any of the students. <laughs> it just seems slightly irresponsible to me <laughs> to allow that to happen. Um well, I mean, haven't you seen the memes of how irresponsible Dumbledore and Hogwarts is as general? <laughs> yes, I have. Very, so I guess it does fit. Yeah. But I mean, for the book, like when I was reading it, when especially when I was a kid, this all like made total sense to me. Nothing about it yeah. seemed weird. It's more looking back on it as an adult that I'm just like, what is this headmaster doing? <laughs> so, I guess for a kid's book in a kid's brain, it feels fine. It's acceptable. <laughs> I so what wanted are your to point out Fluffy. I wanted to point out that Fluffy was in the movie he was like in a room, but in the book he was in the entire corridor. So in yeah. the book, Fluffy's actually a lot bigger like than he is portrayed in the movie. Mm-hmm. Cause he filled that corridor up according to what the book's description of him was. Whereas in the movie he he's kind of just in this like medium sized room. So yeah, I thought I do, that was a very interesting detail. Yeah, I do feel like, though, especially with where CGI was at 20 plus years ago, I feel like as far as, you know, digitally creating Fluffy, they did a fantastic job of creating a giant three-headed dog. I feel like it looked quite yeah. realistic for the time. Sorry, I thought it was hilarious that Neville was the one that was paying attention to it while the other three were kind of like listening to Filch and Peeves the entire time. And Neville's like going over here, like trying to tap and get Harry's attention. And Harry's just finally like, what? And he turns around and he's like, oh crap. (laughs) I think that's just like something that visually, like if we get to see that, that would be like comedic. You know, and that reminds me of the second movie. And when we get to the second book, I'll have to see if it's written similarly. Um, but when they're in the forest talking to the spider and Harry is talking to the spider and all the other little spiders are coming down and Ron is the one noticing the spiders and tapping on Harry's shoulder. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's almost like they took that funny scene from book one and put it into book two. Mm-hmm. Movie two, I should say. Mm-hmm. I do. So- I do also feel like in the film, the lock the locking mechanism on the door where it's the latch that Hermione puts uh-huh. that's like a quarter inch yeah. whole barricading the dog that is trying frantically to push through. I'm like, I'm sorry, that would not hold a dog like that. 
And so I feel like that was, I know that they were trying to make it look like old and medieval, whatever, but like, I mean, come on, they could have done something a little bit more secure for that lock. <laughs> well, they escape Fluffy um, and they head back to their dorms. Um, and one thing I did notice that the iconic line, uh, I'm going to bed before either of you get us killed or worse expelled is in both books and movie. Mm-hmm. I love that they except kept that in. For, except for Ron's uh, snippet of she needs to sort out her priorities. Yeah. <laughs> he does have another clever line, though, in the book. He has a comeback, doesn't he? A one-liner. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Time. Ron stared after her, his mouth open. No, we don't. He said you'd think... Oh, wait. And then, oh yeah, so no, we don't. He said, you, you'd you think we dragged her along, wouldn't you? But Hermione had given Harry something else to think about as he climbed back into bed. Yes. So I think it's more that he's, it sounds like he's saying that kind of to Harry on the side. Yes. Yeah, I definitely think Rupert's little improv line was a, a lot better there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was great. I'm glad that they kept that in. Ooh, any other thoughts before we head into our pleasure peeve and salute? Um, nope. No. That was a good juicy chapter. I covered the, yeah. the dressing gown. That was my biggest thing that I wanted to make sure we discussed. <laughs> All right, Karen, be sure to write in. <laughs> I'm just going to have to give Karen my direct number. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, James, uh, what was your peeves pleasure? So I already shared my peeves pleasure at the very beginning, and it was Harry's elation of writing, discovering that he was really good at a broomstick or flying on a broomstick. Mm. So that was something I really enjoyed. And I really loved that the movie adapted it well and that adapted it, uh, adapted that because I feel like that is a very, good like character like character wise that's like really good for harry as as a character to find something he was naturally good at he didn't have to practice that hard he didn't have to worry about it much and so he found something that he loved that he genuinely just loves and that he can enjoy and nobody can take that away from him now so i think Mm -hmm. that the movie did as an adaptation it did very good doing that great makes um, my, I have two little pleasures, um, Harry, Ron and Hermione really coming into their characters. I feel like we get to, they get to expand themselves a little bit, um, more. And, uh, so I, I just like that it's charming, you know, and then Harry standing up to, and so that's more in the film, I would say that you get to, that it seems like it's a little different. Um, they have a little bit more character growth. Um, and then in the the books, especially, I feel like this is emphasized more in the books, um, Harry's standing up to a bully, not for him necessarily, but when he sees that Neville's being bullied. Um, I like that, it. you know, he starts off being really calm, telling Malfoy to not take the remember all. But then he's like, when he find, when he when he realizes that Malfoy is going to be really serious about it, he's like, 
he starts yelling at him and then he's going to jump on a broom potentially get expelled so that he can grab this remember all which is basically a pointless thing <laughs> and he can save it for somebody that's not even a close friend of his but you know he yeah. sees that somebody's getting bullied the way that he's been bullied his whole life and he's like not gonna stand for that at all and i mean of course i think a big part of it too is his pride you know malfoy kind of pricks at him pricks his pride a little bit because of how he has been treated by dudley growing up so i do think that, that that's part of it as well but anyways i love that we get to see that um harry standing up to a bully so those two those two things are my peeps pleasures oh man you ravenclaws i need to start being as insightful as you but <laughs> my pleasure uh is actually just tom felton's portrayal uh, <laughs> of malfoy <laughs> stealing the remember all when he first hops onto his broom it's like standing up and he just like steps onto it and i love little that little 11 year old sarah day was just oh yeah he's so cute so smitten and then he just like scoots over like behind the crowd he's yeah. still standing on the broom then he cuts through the crowd yeah. and he's sitting on the broom and i'm just like oh so suave so i remember seeing that too and i was like <laughs> they did this perfectly it was very very it's just cool. So Malfoy, yes. such a Malfoy move, you know? And Tom Felton so did- that was my pleasure. <laughs> Tom Felton did such a good job totally embodying that character. Yes, he did. Even at such well, a young age. He, I watched uh, the, docu the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter uh, mm -hmm. recently, and it talks about how he auditioned for it because they did like this whole huge open audition. And he, um, he was with- somebody that he later points to uh points out to be like uh emma watson because they were both like in the same room and emma was uh, had made like a comment and he had just responded in a very draco way and somebody noticed that and was like huh i think we're gonna like you <laughs> but uh, it was uh, interesting he kind of just embodied that uh little snobbish feel of just what a malfoy was and he they were kind of just like well, let's yeah, go with right. you which is, I think, why he's heavily, not necessarily rumored, but I guess fan cast. Um, and I think he said he would be interested in coming back as Lucius Malfoy. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't done that much. I haven't, or at least I haven't heard very much about what Tom Felton's done in the meantime. Um, I so remember he was in he, one of the Planet of the Apes, right? He, he's done a few things. and He does a lot more TV than he does um, movies. Mm. But uh, he, the most recent one that some people might know him from was that he was in the CW's uh, uh, Flash, and he played the oh, villain, okay. oh. uh, one of the villains slash oh. uh, friends in season three. Well, good for him. I mean, not that um, any of them need to do anything for the rest of their lives, but um, I know. <laughs> obviously we hear more about Daniel Radcliffe. He's doing a ton of stuff. Um, and Emma Watson. Oh my gosh, did anybody watch the Weird Al Yankovic? I've seen part I've seen of it. I haven't seen the whole thing, but he's amazing in it. Miracle so Workers yeah. is like, I love that show so much. He does such a good job. He's so funny in The Lost City. Like he, I'm just glad <laughs> that he, he was able to break out of that typecast and yes. like show his range. He has huge acting range. Yes. He does. He, do, he definitely does. 
Um, well, let's bring it back down and talk about our peeves peeves, James. <laughs> My peeves peeves for this adaptation was not having the duel at all. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was a very missed opportunity. I feel like it would have yeah. uh, it would have added so much character growth for all four characters because my biggest one of my biggest gripes is is having the friendship between Harry, Ron and Hermione feel very pushed. Like it just mm. feels ungenuine when they in the movie when they actually become friends whereas in like the books it's a natural growth. Like they don't really like each other at the very beginning, but after their experiences of what of what's been happening they uh they kind of just do start working well together and they feel like they have that that those connections and they're actually able to do that and neville was a lot more of a lot more bigger of a character than i realized i had i've completely forgotten that he was there for a good chunk of time in a lot of these scenarios and that helps portray his character growth instead of Mm -hmm. what it happened in the movie which is like him just all of a sudden being like i'm gonna stand up to you guys like there was no build up to that at all at the very end of the movie. And then he gets, you know, he gets acknowledged that at that with for that at the very end of the movie all out of nowhere. Whereas in the books, it makes such a much more clear, a much more clear character arc. And so if they had done something similar to that, where all four of them were just being a little bit more active in the movie, whether it was the midnight duel or something else, something similar to that, I feel like it would have been a lot better because when you watch the movie, I feel like their friendship is just forced and then all of a sudden they're friends. They're just like, where did that happen? Where did this come from? Like how, how did they build this out of nowhere? Um, The extended version does give us a, a scene in the next chapter that we'll get to share, but um, it kind of can makes that connection, but again, like I still feel like it was a lost opportunity to kind of show these characters grow into into what they do at the very end of the movie, and I feel like they they missed out on that pretty big mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So um, my piece peeve was Neville being gone for very much the same reason you you kind of touched on it, James, is that you just don't get to see the arc in the film like you do in the book of his personality. Yeah. I wish, yeah, I just can't wait for them to be able to expand on so much more of this stuff in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yep. Um, well, uh, let's move on to our Weasley salute. Um, excuse me. Meigs didn't oh, do her. Did I skip you? Sorry, James was just so long. I forgot. <laughs> My peeves, peeves. I have a couple quick ones. Okay, Ron not being able to say up and have the broomstick go up is shocking to me because I know that we talked about broomsticks having personalities and obviously they do they're enchanted and you know but he grew up in a wizarding family where he had he was around broomsticks he has been on broomsticks before so for me 
it seemed very strange that he was not able to get a broomstick at all to Mm -hmm. to go up that just seems like that would not happen it made sense for i think it was good to show hermione struggling with it because she's obviously never encountered a broomstick and she's she's based so much in like books and theory so to me that totally makes sense with something she has to overcome as a character but ron's does not make sense at all (laughs) and again you know it's gonna be better because they have the entire story they didn't know that ron at this point you know his brothers were quidditch players and he grew up and he's going to be a quidditch player later so again having the whole story is going to be really beneficial to the show I also think it was just a comedic choice for the director. I think the director was like totally trying to just do that. But yeah, I don't. I just definitely was the pain of mine. Um, And then okay, (laughs) when Madame Hooch is trying to like like I can't even get through this. Okay, so when (laughs) Neville is doing his super dramatic broomstick scene. And he's flying all around. Everything's out of control. Everybody's screaming. And then he starts flying lower to the ground, barreling straight into the group of people that are all just in the path of this out of control broomstick. And Madam Hooch uh-huh. is standing in the line of the path of the broomstick, pulls out her wand to try to get him and the broom to slow down, and then just dives out of the way. I'm sorry. Her literal job is to like be in control of all of these uh, hundreds of students and their broomstick activity she should know how to handle this yes she should have a spell that can at least slow down the broomstick there is hello listeners due to some peevesy mischief we had some technical issues that arose that made it that so that we lost the last 10 minutes of Meg's recording I have gone in and edited the last little bit of both mine and Sarah Day's contribu- contributions, and I ask that you please go ahead and finish the rest of this episode. Thank you for your understanding, and we ask for your continued support in helping us make this lovely content. Thank you. that's a very good point (laughs) you like realistic comedy (laughs) why we're talking about her being a bad teacher i noticed also when he does break his wrist she doesn't make a straight line to him and cut through the grass she makes a corner and walks on the sidewalk where the quickest way to Neville would have been to cut through the grass well yeah we don't need a whole montage of him flying the one montage we don't need is him flying around (laughs) okay so now it's time for the Weasley salute the Weasley salute Uh, so I had too many. (laughs) So I'm not going to say them all, obviously, but I think in general, I'm just going to pack it up into one little thing and say that my Weasley salute 
was just all the cool character moments that I am super excited to see in the show that was in the books. Because I kid you not, I want to see that competitive side of McGonagall fleshed out more. I want to see Peeves rattling on being a very chaotic human being. I'm not human being, a chaotic being uh, just going around causing havoc. I want to see Neville be a little bit more afraid up in the air because Neville was too confident for me on his broomstick in the movie. Uh, whereas in the book, he was he was actually nervous. He was like, oh, crap, like Harry's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, and he had some nervous. He's like, oh, mate, he probably would knock me off my broom. Um, but like, I want to see that. I want to see like all these cool little character moments be fleshed out more in the TV show because I I feel like it's done so well that um it needs to be added into the show in order in order for us to enjoy these characters more mm-hmm. i put for my weasley salute just harry becoming seeker and we've you know i don't have to go into it because i think we've already summed it up really well that this gives him something to be good at for the first time and that's something that he has it like um just come naturally to him which he hasn't had in the past so that's my salute (laughs) well thank you listeners for causing havoc with us today next time we'll be discussing chapter 10 halloween which is minutes one hour and three minutes and 42 seconds to an hour and 13 minutes and 48 seconds. James, where can people find you? So you all can find me at James and Beltran on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and that's about it. And since I mentioned it at the top, I'm going to... Um, give you guys the Instagram for Fantasy Heroes, which is Fantasy Heroes Game on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook group. So if you're into Marvel superheroes and the like, go ahead and look that up. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review if you're as mischievous as we are. If you have any feedback, leave us a voicemail at 409 422 3378. That's 409 Gabfest. Or email us at peevesgabfest at gmail.com. Also, join the discussion in our Facebook group. We're having a lot of fun over there at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest. And follow us on Instagram and TikTok at peevesgabfest. Until next time, Ickle Firsties. Bye.